Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red, red wine to pina coladas. My name is Allie, and today is Wednesday, March 17th. This is episode 37, and it's a Wine Wednesday show. It's also St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick being the, sa- the patron saint of Ireland, obviously, but also of engineers, which I didn't know until I was starting to research uh, today's show. It's kind of cool, though, that uh, even though we associate St. Patrick with green beer for some reason, as well as getting rid of snakes and uh, Ireland in general, he was also the patron saint of engineers. Pretty cool. So hopefully you aren't celebrating today with green beer, but if you are, hey man, go for it. Whatever floats your boat. Enjoy. Now, you're probably thinking, if Ali holds true to the theme of all things Irish, because it's St. Patrick's Day, but also wine, we must be going to talk about beer. (laughs) Well, that, my friends, is where you would be wrong. I know, I know, I was shocked too. So today, we're going to take a look at Ireland's budding wine industry. And hey. If any of you guys have ever gotten your hands on some Irish wine, let me know what it was like and how I can get some too. Are you ready for this adventure? Let's jump on in. For starts, dating historically whether or not there have been grapes grown in Ireland and when is super, and I mean super stupidly, difficult. Again, the Irish and their lack of written history. I mean, come on, I love the Irish, don't get me wrong. We have roots in Ireland, but man, they didn't like to write things down. So, Bedet, a saint um, who was a Benedictine monk, he's actually from England, not from Ireland, wrote in 731 AD that there wasn't, quote, any want of vines in Ireland. This is sourced from his works called The Ecclesiastical History of the English People. So in 1731, he says, there's tons and tons of vines, there's grapes, they're everywhere, you can't walk anywhere in Ireland without finding them. But, Gerald of Wales, another priestly type, though I can't figure out what um, church he was with, and kind of like where he's from, obviously other than from Wales, um, wrote though in the 12th century that Ireland didn't have any vines, and that Bede himself was wrong. Further complicating things, modern wine writer Susan Boyle, I don't think she's the singer, cites archaeological evidence of wine-stained pottery uh, as evidence that ancient Celts introduced wine to Ireland in 500 BC. So this is very contradictory. We have three different people telling us three different things. And then, of course, there are sparse records of different monastic orders tending to vines. Um, Remembering that, like most alcoholic beverages, grape growing was originally done by all monasteries or nunneries. Um, They were the ones that created most things that we know. Um, Chartreuse, for example, was made by the Chartreusian monks. Um, So it's not unusual that the only records that we do have are from monastic orders. But basically, we have no idea when Ireland started to actually grow vines for wine production, but we can safely assume it's a fairly marginal climate, and 
um, probably wasn't a huge growing production region prior to kind of quote-unquote modern times. In fact, most of the information I could find on grape growing in Ireland talks about how grapes are easy to grow, but are difficult to get them to ripen. So a little bit of a, a chat on grape growing. A grape needs a minimum of 155 frost-free days to ripen for early varieties, or 180 days for late ripeners. Super easy in Ireland. They have a fairly mild climate, even though they're very northern. Um, my understanding is they don't get a large number of frosted days. So you're looking for a early ripening grape, you can have up to 210 days where you have frost on the ground. Most climates don't have that. But a grape requires 2,500 growing degree days to fully ripen. This is a number we arrive at by calculating the average minimum and maximum temperatures every day from April to October, then subtracting 50 degrees Fahrenheit from that, from each value, and adding them all together. And if it's at least 2,500, so 2,500 degrees, you're all set to go. And if not, you probably shouldn't be growing grapes there. You can, but you probably have to take a look at what grapes you're growing just to make sure that they're going to ripen. So you can see why sometimes a site for a vineyard is prepped years ahead of actual vines going into the ground. You probably need at least a year right there just to figure out what kind of grapes you're going to want to grow. Back to Ireland, though. For modern Irish viticulture, there's been one vineyard in Ireland growing commercially since the 1980s called Thomas Walk Vineyards in the southern Ireland. When I pull up a map, it looks like it's really close to Cork. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's in County Cork but I'm not 100% sure. Um, it could cross over county lines. I'm not sure. But growing in earnest started in Ireland around 15 years ago. Viticulturally, there were a few experimentations then inevitable pulling out of vines in favor of better growers, which is actually really common in areas that are just starting to grow grapes. The Irish wine industries seems to have settled on a couple of varietals that suit their climate really well. The first is called Rondo, R-O-N-D-O, which I have never heard of until I was doing this. So it was a grape that was bred or more specifically hybridized in 1964. So it's actually quite an old vine. It was given to the Geisenheim Grape Breeding Institute in Geisenheim, Germany by a Czech um, grape breeder. And it was first planted in Ireland in 1997 at Thomas Walk Vineyards under the name of Amuranis Walk, A-M-U-R-E-N-S-I-S. Thomas Walk still grows it under that name rather than calling it Rondo, who is officially named Rondo in 1999. It's a super early ripener, very frost resistant, as well as able to stay off stave off downy mildew, um, which is really good. Obviously, it's a bit of a damp climate anytime you're on an island. It's a super duper dark-skinned grape, and it's often grown for blending with other red wines. So in places that aren't growing it as a single varietal, it just gets blended in to make your reds darker and richer 
Now, one winery by the name of Llewellyn Orchards, and Llewellyn is spelled L-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N, um, lists that they grow Cab Sav, but I l- have to think it might be pretty difficult to both ripen it and also protect it from any damage from frost or mildews. They're a little bit more northerly. We'll talk about them in our next section. Um, so I'm not sure how that works unless they're growing them low to the ground and they're well protected by maybe their apple and pear orchards that are kind of around them. And if you are looking to plant grapes in your own of your own in your backyard and you happen to live in Ireland, there are 14 different varieties available for you to try and cultivate um, from a grape retailer. Though they do say on their website that unless you live in the south of Ireland, you probably want to plant your grapevines in a glass house, aka a greenhouse. So I'm thinking that it's still a pretty marginal climate and even growing things like Riesling or Schreber, which are both German or Austrian varietals um, and very cold tolerant, very hardy grapes. We grow both of them here in Nova Scotia, um, that it's probably a little bit difficult. And it really probably goes back to the degree days and the frost-free days. All right. So if you've made friends with your local wine store worker and you really want to buy a bottle of Irish wine, I know I do, what are those intrepid vineyards called? So there's Thomas Walk, which we talked about. Um, and definitely they are the OG of the Irish wine world um, who make almost entirely reds from the Rondo grape, as well as some rosé tossed in. Um, I will say, guys, the Irish wine industry, not great on marketing. Everybody's wine winery page is really difficult to get through until we get down to kind of the last winery, their second last winery. They're pretty good at it, but it's still really difficult to find a lot of info. They're not pushing a lot like we do um, in North America or even in more traditional wine regions. I think it's still very much an interior kind of growth that they're doing more than they are exporting. But we're just going to keep talking about all these cool vineyards that are doing a lot of really neat things. Then there's Llewellyn's, who we mentioned, who make what looks like traditional method sparkling. Um, They call it Irish champagne. So I'm going to say that it's traditional method secondary fermentations happening in bottle, and some still reds. Their website is currently being serviced, and their Instagram hasn't been updated for almost a year now, like the apple blossoms were out on their last picture. So it's a little bit hard. Um, I am going to reach out to a couple of these wineries and say, hey, love to learn some more about you. What can you tell me? And see what happens. Then there's also Viking Irish Drinks, who make both a red blend, which is Rondo and Pinot Noir. Again, super surprised they're growing Pinot. That grape, for sure, is a difficult grower in a marginal climate. And a white blend, which is Solaris crossed with Seval Blanc. Um, Seval is pretty common here in Nova Scotia, but I've never heard of Solaris before. As well as ciders from their organic and sustainable vineyards and orchards. And they are in East Waterford. Oh, Llewellyn's. We forgot where they are. So Llewellyn's is up near Dublin, which is why I'm surprised a little bit that they're growing Cab Sav and apparently doing quite well with it. 
because that's quite a bit more to the north. Um, then there is Wicklow Way Wines. Very obviously, these guys are from County Wicklow. And they produce award-winning fruit wines under the label of, I'm probably going to screw this one up, Monier, M-O-I-N-E-I-R. But the first I and the E both have an accent on them. So I'm not sure that I'm saying that entirely correctly. These wines, though they are made from fruit, they do not appear to be anything to scoff at, though, since the lowest alcohol by volume is 10%. Some pretty high octane fruit right there. And like I said, they're winning awards, so they must be doing something right. Oh, and there's a company called BT Wines in West Limerick, but they openly say that they don't source their grapes in Ireland, so they aren't strictly an Irish wine, but they do add Limerick peat to their wines, so there's that, I guess. It kind of seems a little odd. Um, peat, of course, being peat moss, the same stuff that we burn in Scotland underneath of our malted barley to give it that distinctive um, smoky note to it. I'm not sure how that would translate to the wine. It's kind of a little odd to me, but that's okay. Now, if you're like me, and you probably won't find any Irish wines anytime soon, but you'd like to drink like the Irish, and you don't want to have some beer today, simply head to your cellar or to your local wine shop and pick up a bottle of Chilean wine. It is the number one consumed region in Ireland at a whopping 25.6% of the total volume of wine purchased in that country. After that is Australia at only 17%, and France lagging behind at 12.9%. So really, no contest there at all, whatsoever. You, you really are going to be buying Chilean wine if you want to drink like the Irish um, for wines. Now, for Chilean wines... You have Chardonnay from the Casablanca Valley, Sauvignon Blanc from Casablanca or Leda Valleys, Carmenere from basically the entire country, Big Red Blends from the Maipo Valley or Colchagua. I hope I said that right. My Spanish isn't that great. So you do have lots and lots of options, both for red and for white. And Chile is definitely a cool region to start to check out. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. So with that, guys, we will wrap up an exciting look at a small, okay, albeit tiny, wine-growing region that I personally didn't know existed until this week, which I love. I love finding teeny tiny wine regions and exposing you guys to them because I get to expose myself to them as well. I hope you enjoyed learning all about Irish wines as much as I did. So if you would like to send me a show topic a question, a comment, anything at all, you can do that in a few ways. You can head over to the website and you can click on episode 37's page and you can leave a comment right there at the bottom. You can also on the website hit contact and fill in the contact me form. It will come right to me and I will see it. If you'd prefer to go old school and send me an email, you can do that to drinkswithally at gmail.com. And if you want to connect on social media, 
I am on all of platforms. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, MeWe, Spotify, and Pinterest. All of them at Drinks with Allie. So fill your glass with something tasty, guys, on this wonderful St. Patrick's Day. Cilantro, guys. Or cheers, everyone. <laughs>